I think I have everything turned on that I need to turn on this morning. It is certainly good to see each one of you here on this first day of this new week. It is always a joy, it is a blessing, a privilege that our great God has given to us as His children together, together as we begin a new day, as we begin a new week in our lives to come together and to think about Him, to lift our voices in song and in praise, to glorify Him as has already been sung this morning and has already been prayed this morning that all that we do together in this assembly today will be to the praise and glory and honor of our great God. But as we have assembled together this morning also to encourage one another, the word edification is used throughout the New Testament. That's the idea of building one another up, of strengthening one another in the common faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that you have experienced that so far this morning as we have sung together, as we have prayed together, as we have gathered around the table of our Lord Jesus Christ together, that our minds hopefully have been focused upon our great God and just how amazing and wonderful He is and how much He loves us and how much He blesses us from moment to moment within our lives. I told Brent, I think he had asked me early last week what I was going to preach on this morning, and I uh, told him uh, just something that I had been thinking about for a number of months, preaching. Uh, but given the circumstances that uh, we find ourselves in, I changed my mind. And I hope that our lesson this morning uh, will be very uh, timely, will be very applicable to each of us. I think it will not be a difficult lesson at all for us to understand, but I hope that uh, in some way, I can, uh, God can use me this morning to be his spokesman to remind us maybe of some truths that hopefully we already know and to motivate us and to encourage us to stir one another up in the words of the Hebrew writer in chapter 10, to love and to good works as we live throughout this week. Throughout this country and around the world, of course, the COVID, current COVID variant is hitting not only just people hard, but it is hitting Christians hard. And whatever measures or steps that Christians have decided to take over the past months and years in relation to the virus that has gone around our world, whether they are, have decided to be vaccinated or not, whether they have decided to wear a mask or not, this current Omicron variant is infecting the Lord's people, I think, at a rate that we have not seen for almost two years, back to 2020. I know it's not only just hit this congregation, but a number of other congregations that I have some connection to, uh, there are just Christians that are suffering from what is going on right now. And although our great God, our good God is certainly taking care of us, I think we also need to remember that we have a responsibility to care for one another and to care for one another, especially during this time of need. But with so many of us dealing perhaps with our own symptoms related to this virus, so many even among this congregation that are quarantined, maybe they haven't had the virus themselves, but maybe they have been exposed to someone, someone that is in their home that they live with day in and day out has contacted the virus, contracted the virus. Or even for those of us who are just trying to stay healthy, by doing maybe all that we can to stay away from other people as much as possible, how do we do that practically in this time? How do we carry out Scripture's instruction to care for one another? That's what I want us to think about for a few moments this morning, about 
the words, the text instruction from God to care for one another. As we do that, we're going to think, first of all, about why that is necessary for us to care for one another. Secondly, we're going to consider how we can do that, to think about some practical ways, even during these days, that we can carry out that instruction of God. And then finally, as we end our lesson this morning, we want to consider the great reward that God has told us in His Word for doing this good work. So that kind of gives you maybe a little bit of a roadmap as to where we will be going in our sermon today. As we think about this New Testament instruction, this New Testament responsibility that we have to care for one another, we first of all, again, want to consider why. Why is it important? Why has God, through His Word, told us that we are to care for one another? And to help us answer that question, I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible with you in whatever form this morning, I would invite you to open there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, we're not going to take the time, as you can see on the screen, to read this entire text. I'm sure many of us in this audience are very familiar with it. But just to pull out a few verses, a few thoughts from what the Apostle Paul is writing here. First of all, from 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14, Paul says, For the body is not one member, but many. Dropping down to verse 18, he continues this thought. He says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Dropping down to the end of verse 24, at least in my Bible, the New American Standard, verse 24 is the first part of that is ending the thought or ending the sentence of the previous verse, even back to uh, the thought, the preceding verses, but at the middle of verse 24, you have a new sentence beginning. And that states that God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And then finally, from verse 27, Paul writes there, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. As we think about this question, I believe this is a good question for us to ask, not just in relation to what we are considering this morning about this one another responsibility in the New Testament to care for one another, but every instruction that God gives us, every example that we have throughout Scripture, I think it's always good for us to, first of all, think about why. And sometimes I realize that God just gives us an instruction. Maybe if you think about some of the instructions that He gave to His children of old, the Israelites, sometimes God may give us an instruction or a command and may not explain all of why He is wanting us to do this particular thing. But if He does, if Scripture does give us a why, I think it's important for us to think about that. So why do we care for one another? Well, all throughout this text, it is at least impressed upon my mind, and I hope it is on yours in the verses that we just read very quickly, that we do that because Paul says we are members one of another. He may not use exact, that exact phrase here, but as we're going to go to a little bit later on in our lesson, as we think about some applications of caring for one another, we'll go to the parallel passage in Romans chapter 12, and Paul does use that exact language that we are members one of another. Repeatedly, I think here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is just emphasizing the concept of being one body. 
that, that we are one body. We are all members of that body. We are different members. But he's also emphasizing, I hope you picked up on this, especially if you look back at verse 18, he says, God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. And then at verse 24, again, God has so composed the body. Even we didn't read verse 28, but Paul still hits on that same thought. God has appointed in the church, and then he gives the various functions or works in Christ's church. Paul is emphasizing the fact that, yes, there is only one body of Christ. We are all, if we're Christians, if we're followers of Christ, we are all members of that one body. But also in relation to that, that God is placing us in Christ's body exactly where he wants us to be. And why is that? Well, I believe he gives us the why of that particular question at verse 27. He says, or verse 25 rather, so that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I'm, I'm confident that we this morning, I mean, we understand, we get what Paul is saying. <laughs> but I want us to think back to the original audience that Paul is addressing these words to here in chapter 12. He is writing to the church of God at Corinth. <laughs> he is writing to a church, as we all know, if we have studied uh, anything at all about this particular church and, and read through the letter, especially 1 Corinthians, we know that this was not exactly the, the poster child for a local congregation, was it? <laughs> if you want to know what, what God's ideal for a church is, Brent spoke to us about that a few weeks ago, you probably wouldn't naturally think about turning to 1 Corinthians and thinking about the church at Corinth. <laughs> That this was a church that was very much immature. They needed to grow up in Christ. This was a church that was very much divided. This was a congregation that was composed of members with competing selfish interests. This was a church that in the words, in the instructions of Paul here in 1 Corinthians 12, this was a congregation that pretty much didn't care for one another as they should have cared. And so Paul is saying, you are not just individually out here doing your own thing. Yes, you're individually members of Christ and of the body of Christ, but you are one body. And God is over all of this. God has so composed the body. God has so ordained the body. God has put us and fit us into the places he wants us in the body of Christ. So as we think about caring for one another this morning, I think it is very important that we first see ourselves for who we really are, that we are members of one another. We are individually members of this collective body that belongs to Jesus Christ of which he is head. And we need to get that firmly fixed in our mind before we will care for one another. Because if we just look at our brother or sister that may have whatever need in their life at this particular time or at any time, and we just say, well, that's, that's the brother or sister that I sit beside a couple of hours <laughs> a week. That, that's the brother or sister that I may chat with when the assembly is dismissed and we don't really have fully grasped or comprehended in our own minds that we are family. We are in the body of Christ. We are connected to one another. It will be very hard for us to care for one another as we should. Caring for one another is simply what members of a body do. And Paul here using throughout this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, the example of our own human bodies. I don't know how the human body operates. Science, I will tell you up front, is, is not my thing. 
That's not the way my mind works. I, I'm and fascinated by people, especially Christians, that their minds do work scientifically, that they can uh, use those gifts and abilities that God has given to them to defend truth, to stand up and to say, yes, we can just look at the human body and, and know that there is a designer, a creator, and it's Jehovah God. But Paul, I think, is using the illustration of our human body here in this text to make, obviously, the greater point about the body of Jesus Christ. When... when one member of our physical body is hurting, all the other members don't say, that's your problem. <laughs> you deal with it. You fix it. Don't bother me with that. No, our other members care. And so when it comes to caring for one another, I think the old saying that people don't know how much you or care how much you know until they know how much you care is certainly true in this case. We claim to be people who are committed to truth, don't we? We claim to be people who are committed to obeying God. We, are, we claim to be people who are living God's truth out in our life. And we can say with our lips that we care about obeying God, that we care about practicing, and even as a congregation, teaching only that which is true. And yet sometimes we can show very little care for God's people. Do we care more maybe for ourselves than we care for a brother or a sister in Christ that is in need in some way? Going back to the passage that our brother Don read for us just a moment ago as we began our assembly from James chapter 2. James, of course, is not just talking about meeting one another's needs in the body of Christ, but in the greater context of our faith being a working faith, an active faith, a living faith. It's not a dead faith. But it can be very easy for us when a brother or sister in Christ, when we know of a need that they have and we have the ability to supply that need, it is very easy for us to just say to them, be warmed and filled. And we go our own way and we think we have fulfilled the royal law of loving our neighbor as ourself, of living our faith in Christ. Sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, it can be very easy for us to say the right thing because we know the verses of Scripture, we know the passages. And then for us to live in a very selfless, thoughtless way in relation to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Such ought not to be the case among God's people, but sadly sometimes it is. From everything that I have seen so far, in however long we've been here, two or three weeks, I'm very thankful to God that I have not seen that to be the case among this congregation. And the congregation that we left in Kentucky was certainly not that way. I see this church as being a very caring church. And that is a great thing. That is who we need to be, as I'm trying to stress to you this morning. But I'm also trying to get across the point as we go throughout our lesson that we have a wonderful opportunity right now to show that we truly do care for one another. That We should not look at what is going on and what has gone on in the world over the past couple of years as being an obstacle in some way, I know that it is. I know that it's a challenge, a problem that all of us have had to face to some degree, on some level. But there is also in that challenge and problem an opportunity for us as individuals and as a congregation to show that we truly care one for another. So we care for one another because we simply are members of one another. Well, how do we do that? This divine statement that we are to care for one another that Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25, 
to me, it seems to be a very broad statement. He just says that we are to have the same care from one another. It could cover a wide range of needs that we as Christians have, a wide range of conditions and circumstances that we find ourselves in in life. It could be talking about physically, that we meet the needs of one another physically, spiritual needs, emotional needs, relational needs, whatever those needs are. I, I think it's just kind of a general broad statement. But lest we get lost in trying to figure out what is and what is not included in this general statement, whether we kind of keep it on a purely philosophical level, whether we try to, maybe your mind can think about this in the, in the conversation that... Um, that um, you know, Jesus had with the rich young or, or with the scribe that came to him in Luke chapter 10. And the man gave Jesus the right answers. But then he said, who is my neighbor wishing to justify himself? Lest we think in that kind of way. I want us to be impressed with the fact that this command or instruction to care for one another, like all one another instructions throughout the New Testament, that is an instruction that has been given to us by God. It is work. For us to do. What kind of work? Well, I'm not going to give you every possible way in which we could care for one another in our lesson this morning. I just want to present to you three or four ways that we can care for one another and things that we can do, especially now at this time, this present time, when maybe a number of this congregation are kind of limited in what we can do for one another. Very simple things, but things sometimes we forget to do. Number one, we can certainly pray for one another. I want you to go to the, the book of Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and uh, another one of these one another passages throughout the New Testament. Romans 12, let's begin reading here at verse 9. The apostle Paul begins these one another lists of responsibilities by saying to us, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Paul begins this list of responsibilities that we have to one another in the body of Christ by telling us we need to have love for one another. We need to have an unhypocritical un, un love. We need to have a sincere love, as Peter would describe it over in 1 Peter chapter 1, about verse 21 or 22. We need to have that true love. And that love for one another will prompt us to carry out all these responsibilities to whatever degree that God has given us gifts to do those. But what I'm interested in, particularly at this point in our lesson, is what is found there at the end of verse 12. He says, you are to be devoted to prayer. Again, maybe that seems like a general statement, and perhaps it is. But I think it is in this greater context of us using the gifts that God has given to us within the body of Christ. How do we care for one another? How do we show that we truly understand we are members of one another? One way we do that is to be devoted to prayer for one another. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, I believe the Hebrews writer gives a, a similar instruction here. And he goes back to that idea of love for our brethren. He says at verse 1, let love of the brethren continue. And then at verse 3, he gives this an admonition or instruction. He says, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are also in the body. I realize the writer here doesn't mention praying for one another. 
But he does again hit on that point of let our love for the brethren continue. Our love for brethren when they are in need or elsewise is not just a one-time thing. This is an ongoing thing. But then he says in verse 3 again, Even remember your brethren who are in prison, perhaps for being Christians, for living their faith in Christ. And why do we remember them? Because we are also in the body. They are in the body. We are in the body. We are all one. We are members of one another. Maybe there's nothing practically that we could do to get a brother or sister out of prison if we were living in the first century. But we can remember them. And I think a great part of remembering them as children of God is remembering them in prayer, being devoted to prayer when we go to our God in prayer. And then from the book of James, the next book over in the New Testament, in James chapter 5 at the end of uh, that book, he talks about prayer. He says at verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much." A lot that is said, obviously, here. Uh, don't ask me all those questions about everything that this text means because I don't know all the answers. I'll give you my thoughts on that. But the point I want you to see this morning is Paul, or James is emphasizing here as he continues in the next few verses before he ends this book, calling on the great example of Elijah. We just sung about the days of Elijah. <laughs> and Elijah was an amazing man for many reasons, but he was an amazing man because he was a man of prayer. Whether we're sick or not, whether we're confined at home or not, each of us can pray specifically for one another. Notice what James says there at the end of verse 16. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We need to pray for one another, verse 16. Whether that is physical needs, spiritual needs that we have. Whether that's talking about sin that has come into our life, temptations that we're struggling with as Christians. Whether that's talking about us being physically sick with some virus or disease, that we need to be praying one for another. That is something that all of us can do and all of us need to be doing. So are we doing that? Let me just ask you maybe here, I mean, we, we just got to town a few weeks ago. Uh, I don't know everybody's name yet. <laughs> uh, I will tell you that I'm not the best at remembering people's names unless I see you often. I can remember people's faces. I mean, somebody I might have seen uh, maybe at a, a congregation in a totally different state that I only visited once 10 years ago. And no, I've seen that person before, but I don't know what their name is. If you've been a part of this church for any length of time at all, or even if you're new here, if you hopefully have access to the directory to get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ and to not just pray generally for those among us who are sick or or dealing with the virus right now, that's, that's fine for us to do. But to pray specifically for one another, there is power in that kind of praying for one another. Secondly, we can care for one another by sympathizing with one another. Back to Romans chapter 12. Notice what the Apostle Paul writes at verse 15. Romans chapter 12 at verse 15. He says there that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I'm just going to start mentioning kind of several passages together and make, then make some 
observations as we tie all of them together. Uh, because if we don't, we may be here till one o'clock. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at verse 26, we skipped over that verse, but I want to come back to it now. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26, Paul writes here, If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And then from Hebrews chapter 10, as the writer again is writing to Christians who are suffering for being Christians, he says something to them about that. In chapter 10, beginning at verse 32, Paul, or the writer says here, But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle, through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Throughout these texts, I think, is the common theme of us sympathizing, and I probably should have put, as I already finished the PowerPoint on, on Friday, since then thought about I should have put empathize with one another. Sometimes it's very hard for us to put ourselves in our brother or sister in Christ's shoes because maybe we haven't experienced something that they are, they are going through. We haven't dealt with the challenge or the problem, the issue that they are dealing with in their life. And so sometimes we just feel like, honestly, we can't say, I know, because we haven't been there. But we can still sympathize with them. We can lend a very receptive ear to the hurts of our brethren right now. Instead of just brushing them off and saying, well, okay, but I've been healthy this whole time. <laughs> I haven't been infected or affected by the virus or whatever it else is that is going on. We can express sympathy to them in a variety of ways. And again, uh, not just sympathizing with one another, but my family has already been the recipient of some of these ways that we can communicate with one another, sending cards to each other. Not just if you're in an encouragement group and that's your Sunday and that's kind of your obligation, that's your duty to fulfill for that week, but to send cards to one another. There were several ladies in the church in Kentucky that every time one of my children or me or Anna were sick, I mean, even if it was just a little cold, we received a card from them. And it may seem like a very simple thing and in a lot of ways it is, but it, it has a great impact it can encourage us and lift us up. We can call our brothers or sisters in Christ. We can text them. There, there's just a number of ways that we can communicate with one another and show our sympathy to one another. We may not in any way, shape, or form understand what a brother or sister in Christ is dealing with on a practical level. But we can sympathize with them in their time of need. Thirdly, and this may seem a little bit odd given our current circumstances, but we can show hospitality to one another. In, back to Romans chapter 12 at verse 13. One of those responsibilities that Paul lists there is contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. Once again to Hebrews chapter 13 at verse 2. Again, this is in the greater context of letting the love of the brethren continue in our lives, continue to be shown one to another. He says there at verse 2, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. And then an instruction that Peter gives in 1 Peter chapter 4 at verse 9. 1 Peter 4 and verse 9. Peter just simply states there, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. I believe maybe for us at least in the South, we, we think 
about hospitality maybe in too narrow or too limited of terms. We, we think about we can't show hospitality to someone unless we have them into our home and we sit down and we have a meal together. And it's kind of odd, at least in the South, a lot of times, even as Christians, when we're sharing a meal together in someone's home, we're talking about food. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Maybe we just love, love to eat in the South. But uh, at any rate, you know, we, we think that, that is hospitality in my home has to be perfect. It, you know, there can't be any dust. Uh, we, we've got to put all the kids' toys away, all this kind of thing. And we get all these pictures in our mind that I don't know are necessarily biblical pictures. Though it may be the case for many of us, or maybe even for all of us, that because of the virus that is going around and it's so contagious right now that we may not be able to share a meal with one another. We, we may not be able to have each other into our houses as we would like. In fact, there have been a, at least a couple of uh, families that have already invited our family to their house since we've been here. And either they or in our family have had sickness, and so we've had to postpone that. And I know that's very frustrating. But I would suggest to you that we can show hospitality one to another in other ways. That, that word hospitality, from my understanding, really the core of that word, the th core thought there again is love. It is love of strangers, as the Hebrews writer went on to explain there in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 13. That some have entertained angels without knowing it. We're in the body of Christ. We're members one of another. And yet, in some sense, we may be strangers. We may not know our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as we should. And so we can show hospitality. We can show our love to them. We can show kindness to them. We can show generosity to them. I believe all of those attributes are summed up in this idea of hospitality. It's not just having to have someone into our home and fix a meal for them. It's interesting, one of our shepherds in, in uh, E-Town uh, had the opportunity to travel to several different countries in South and Central America, and he was describing recently the different ways that those brethren in those countries show hospitality, and it's not like we do here in the Southeast, <laughs> but it's still hospitality. Connected to that, fourthly, we can care for one another by serving one another. And this kind of encompasses everything I think that we have said so far this morning. In Hebrews chapter 12, again at verse 13, he just, Paul simply writes there, contributing to the needs of the saints. If you're still there in 1 Peter 4, notice what he goes on to say at verse 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I think a number of us, if we grew up in a home where our parents were Christians and we were used to studying and reading from the Bible and hearing it read and discussed, we're all very familiar with the first part of 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. That whoever speaks is to speak as the oracles, the utterances of God. We're not to be speaking something that we just came up with on our own. We are to be speaking God's truth. That's exactly right. But the same point Peter is making about service in the last part of the verse is what he is making about speaking for God. He says, if we serve... We are to serve by the strength which God supplies. Our serving one another is just as important 
as our speaking God's truth to one another. And so there are multiple ways that we can supply each other's needs during this particular time. If we are able to do so, if we have the health and the strength to do this, we can drop off food, we can drop off medicine, we can provide other necessities that our brothers and sisters that may be confined to their homes cannot. If we're not able to do that, we can at least stay in touch, as we just talked about a few minutes ago, with one another to regularly check on each other. And I understand, I'm preaching this lesson to myself as much as to any of you this morning because it can be very easy for us to have intentions, good intentions, to care for one another even during this time. But we just get so caught up in our own lives, in our own daily routine. And those of us who are parents that have children at home, we've got to take care of our kids. And certainly we do. We have a responsibility to our spouse. But what I'm trying to emphasize to you this morning is let's not forget our responsibility to care for one another. Just a very simple phone call, a very short phone call. There are some maybe older Christians, especially when I was a younger Christian and young preacher, you know, I, I went to visit uh, older Christians in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, that kind of thing, even if they were at, 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 in their own home. And I would just be thinking on the drive there, I don't have much in common. I mean, being a 22, 23 year old guy in common with an 85 year old woman, I really didn't have to do much talking a lot of times. They did the talking, but it, it helped them. And I always came away and encouraged myself by spending time with them. That's how we can care for one another. Very quickly, we think about the reward for caring one another. While the reward for caring for each other should not be our only motivation, the fact is that the Lord does take notice of that. And the Lord has promised a reward to those of us who will do that. Back in the book of Matthew, just a couple of passages and then we'll be done with our lesson this morning. Matthew chapter 10, at the very end of that chapter, as he has already given some instructions to the 12 apostles and prepared them as they went out as sheep in the midst of wolves to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. He said at verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a, pro a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whatever and whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly, I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Jesus says even something as small and insignificant from our perspective as giving a cup of cold water is a great service that we can give to one another in the body of Christ because we are in the same body. We're members of one another and it comes with a great reward. In that great scene that is pictured for us in chapter 25 of the book of Matthew, we're not going to take the time to read this particular text here. I hope that you know it well. But Jesus basically says to us that our care or lack thereof for one another, he says to the least or the greatest that you did it to these, the, the, these brethren of mine, I think that has greater application to everyone in the world, but specific application to those of us who are Christians, kind of in the vein of what Paul wrote in Galatians 6 and verse 10, as we have opportunity to do good to all people, but especially to those who are of the household of the faith. And so our care or lack thereof for one another, Jesus says, will be a deciding factor in whether our king says to us, enter in or depart from me. 
I don't believe this is going to be the only factor, but it is going to be a great factor in whether we spend eternity with God or not. What a great reward awaits those of us who see the need, who take the time, who put forth the effort, who some, in some ways inconvenience ourselves to truly care for one another as we should. This remains a trying time for many of us. I know that many of us are ready for this to pass. I'm ready, <laughs> long past ready. And for things to get back to what we consider, quote, to be normal, only the Lord knows when and if that will occur. But I'm trying to suggest to you this morning that this is a time of opportunity for all of us to show that we truly do care one for another. We've already thought about these thoughts as we close our lesson this morning, but I want to hit on them again. And that is this in one of our songs that Christ cared enough. Christ cared enough for you and he cared enough for me to come to earth to be the way to the Father. He cared enough for you and me to come and to be the Savior of men. He cared enough for you and me to come and to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so I'm asking you this morning, if you're not a Christian, do you care enough this morning to come to Him? Do you care enough to come and to follow Him and to make Him your Lord and Savior? Do you care enough to follow Him all the way home and to spend eternity with Him? What about you this morning? God certainly cares, shows His care for us in every way, every day that He could. Do you care about Him enough to give your life in service to Him this morning. If that is you and you're subject to the invitation of Jesus Christ, if you've decided that today is the day that you want to put on Christ in baptism, then we would encourage you to respond to His invitation this morning, to walk to the front, to let your requests and your desires be made known as we stand and sing.